It's time for a new evolution in raising golfers, one that doesn't involve headaches, tears, or heading down the path of unknown. Whether you're trying to introduce children to the game of golf, help them play competitively, or play at a collegiate level, you're in the right place. This show is for any parent, player, or coach who wants to build a better team at home and on the golf course. This is the Raising Golfers Podcast. Hey, what's up, everyone? Your host, Travis Hauser of the Raising Golfers Podcast. If you haven't already, do me a favor. Go on and follow the podcast on Facebook. We also got an Instagram account. And be so kind if you could leave Raising Golfers Podcast a rating review in Apple Podcasts. That really help us out. And that way we can get more exposure to more families, coaches, and players around the world. So today, we are going to learn a lot about why having the right fit clubs and balls are so important for junior golfers. Our guest this week is Joshua Kinchin, who is the Senior Director of Product Development for US Kids Golf. If you take your driver, it should come to about your sternum, but we have a driver that we give to parents a lot of times where if you stand a kid up next to their driver, half the kids I see their driver will come up to their chin. And, and you take the same driver, this kind of mock play driver that we have, and we give it to dad and it stands up to his chin and then he puts it down and you, he realizes what he's doing to, to his kid in effect. Um, and you can just imagine how difficult it would be to hit that club, whereas the kid's going through that same scenario. So, Joshua has been in the golf industry for a long time. He really, really knows his stuff and he's going to answer a lot of questions that I personally have about things that I would love to learn more about in junior golf equipment. So listen carefully to all the details, and after this episode, have a check to make sure your junior has the right equipment. Joshua, welcome to the Raising Golfers podcast. Yeah, thanks so much for having me on. I appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, I'm excited because, well, junior golf is something that is a big interest of mine. I believe yours as well. But today we're going to talk specifically about the equipment with junior golf. And as you work for US Kids Golf, a company I've trusted and believed in for a really long time, I'm kind of interested in hearing a little bit more details about the equipment. Yeah, definitely. I'll uh, answer anything I can and divert when I can. All right, cool. So what is exactly that you do for U.S. Kids Golf right now? So I am uh, the Senior Director of Product Development. So uh, any club, ball, hat, towel, umbrella, uh, pretty much anything that is golf related from an equipment standpoint or even accessory standpoint, I'm I kind of lead the charge with. So it's, uh, we've got a team of two, uh, Kim Wiley and myself. I couldn't uh, ever leave her out because she's been a great help and kind of as my partner in crime, if you will. But um, I guess I'm kind of the, the lead dog and then she's uh, in a support role and she also takes care of a lot of our web business. But um, between us two, we kind of design, develop, uh, work with all the different facilities um, or departments here at, the, uh, at our facility. Uh, be it coaches or players or um, whatever it may be, the tournament staff and come up with different ideas and help to develop the product. That's cool. And out of curiosity, kind of how far in advance are you guys looking at products for the future? So I uh, came over from Bridgestone Golf about five years ago. Actually, it was five years ago, a couple of days ago. And uh, in there, we were always four and five years ahead. So when I first came over here, we were a little behind, I would say. Um, we were maybe um, only looking a year to 18 months in advance. So we slowly tried to push that forward. Um, and so we're on about, a, I would say, 
24 to 36 months is what we're looking at now um, from a development standpoint. Uh, I'll be honest and say that COVID has just made it a complete nightmare because we're pushing those dates even further out now. Um, so product that we plan to launch, for instance, uh, this year, we're now pushing out to next year and so forth and so on. So uh, the pandemic's been a little bit of a, a burden on us as far as development life cycles are concerned. But um, yeah, I would say typically right now we're in that 24 to 36 month, month range. All right. And, you know, I think getting into this from a parent standpoint, listening, you know, I think a lot of parents are looking for opportunities like the people on the PGA tour to try to gain more distance and get after more distance. And I've seen this, you know, for me over the last even 10 years, you'll kind of start to see, um, shafts put into adult driver heads that, right. You know, children are starting to use. And I think it's because they can get a little bit more distance, but what kind of long-term problems might somebody or a junior golfer run into if they have, one poorly fit clubs, but two kind of go after and start putting those adult heads in some of the clubs. So I won't say that our clubs fit every kid because that's certainly not the truth. Um, what we try to do though is, so my main job is to go out and collect data. So I have a TrackMan launch monitor. Uh, I go to different regional events, different local tour events, uh, basically travel all around the globe collecting data. Um, and then I use that data to develop our clubs. And what we typically see with adult clubs is one, they're heavier. Um, two, you're putting them in a, you know, a short shaft that doesn't necessarily match up with the head. Uh, three, the adult heads typically have a center of gravity that's more forward and higher uh, than our clubs. So they're going to tend to launch lower with less spin. And what we see is that kids with slower swing speeds actually tend to need a little bit higher loft, a little bit higher launch angle and a little bit more spin uh, than for instance, say a Dustin Johnson or someone on the PGA Tour using that same type of head. And the reason is because the faster you swing, uh, your club head speed is, the more ball velocity you can achieve. And the more ball velocity you can achieve, you can use that to keep the ball in the air and create distance. Whereas when you're a kid and you're swinging, you know, 50, 60 miles an hour, you're not getting that ball velocity to keep the ball up in the air. So you need the launch angle to launch the ball nice and high and you need the spin to help elevate and keep the ball in play. So, uh, and go down range as far as humanly possible. So, um, I would say that's kind of the main issue we see. Uh, again, I wouldn't say that our clubs fit everyone because there's certainly some elite level juniors at regionals and our world championship that, that hit the ball better with their adult mm -hmm. head. But in most instances, most kids are better off playing one of our clubs for those reasons, because our center gravity is lower and more back. Uh, our heads have more loft. Uh, they launch higher. They spin more. So, And what would happen if, you know, a child was playing with two heavy clubs for too long? What, what, what kinds of things could that affect long term? Well, it could affect their swing development. Um, obviously, you're working with an unrealistic uh, swing weight because the head is so heavy compared to the shaft and the, and the grip. Uh, if you're using a junior shaft and a junior grip. Uh, so, it's going to be almost like a sledgehammer type fill, um, which could cause the kids some. The main issue that we see from a developmental standpoint is the heavier the club. So lighter is always faster. Let me say that mm -hmm. first. The lighter the club, the faster you can swing it. And when a kid is playing a, a club that is too heavy, he's effectively slowing his hand speed down in his swing speed development. And it, 
a young age and as a kid were all about trying to develop speed as fast as possible. And the earlier you can develop that speed, the more it's going to carry over. And the, as you get bigger and stronger and taller and more flexible, um, that speed development that you've been working on from a young age is just going to continue to grow, grow, grow. Whereas if you play a driver that's too heavy or too long, you're almost having to not, I wouldn't say that golf is not two different swing types anyways, because I certainly think there is driver, for instance, is the only club in the bag that you want to hit up on. Um, but the swings become drastically different when you have a club for, or a set of irons, for instance, that fits, and then you're playing a driver that's too long or too heavy because now you're really almost having to time the swing. Um, we have a cool kind of tool that we use where it's a, if you take your driver, it should come to about your sternum, but we have a driver that we give to parents a lot of times where if you stand a kid up next to their driver, half the kids I see their driver will come up to their chin. And, and you take the same driver, this kind of mock play driver that we have, and we give it to dad and it stands up to his chin and then he puts it down and you, he realizes what he's doing to, to his chin in effect. Mm -hmm. um, and you can just imagine how difficult it would be to hit that club, whereas the kid's going through that same scenario. So, What would you tell a parent if they've selected a driver, it does have an adult head, it's clearly too heavy, but they hit it a little bit further than let's just say another junior golf club and it could be us kids golf club or not what would you what would you tell them long term or how could you convince them to maybe take a step back and look at the long the long-term development of the junior golfer yeah i mean that's certainly one of the most difficult things we face to do here because like i said going out and collecting the track mandate it's hard for me to sit there and argue with a parent and tell them they should play our club, even though it's, <laughs> even though it may be five yards shorter than, or 10 yards shorter than the, than the adult head that they're using. So um, I don't really have a good answer for that. Um, I mean, you can certainly see it in swing videos where kids will be, you know, stepping up on their toes and we've collected data where um, we actually put a sensor on players' hands and track their hand speed. So we can see that they're effectively their hand speed is slowing down. So they're they're losing some of that swing speed development. You know, they'll take an iron and they'll whip it and swing it hard and fast and get all the performance attributes that you want out of it. And then they'll take their driver that's too long or too heavy. And you can just immediately see that it's a much lazier, more timed uh, type of swing. So I just try to use visual clues, really. But it's hard because the data... The data doesn't really show mm -hmm. any of that, you know, the TrackMan video shows that. So I'll try to show them the videos where, you know, their kids in a completely different position or sequence uh, within their swing. But as far as the data is concerned, yeah, that's that's probably our biggest struggle, certainly. Right. But you certainly would recommend to go lighter, of course, right? Lighter is always better, like you said. Yeah. Well, lighter is always faster. Lighter is always faster, right? Yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily say it's always better, uh, but it is always faster. You can always swing a, a lighter club faster. So again, in trying to develop club head speed uh, and taking that into your older age as you become older and taller and more strong uh, or stronger. Um, yeah. That's kind of what I would always lean to is, we always say our big thing here is we always want kids to grow out of clubs mm. and not into clubs. So we prefer playing shorter and lighter for that same swing speed development reason before moving into something longer and heavier. Mm, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. I, I hear it a lot as a coach that parents will come and they say, yeah, I read that 
although they're at 51 inches on the scale or the height, uh, the recommendation is to go one up so they can grow into them. And then I'm, I, I try to also talk them and, and, you know, try to convince them that actually that may not be the best thing for them and that those clubs might still be heavy and that they actually don't grow six inches in a year statistically. <laughs> right. right? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, you know, they, I think they grow, what, what is it about? Is it two to three inches? Yeah. About like two that? to three inches a year. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. And visually we sometimes think that, but actually the reality is not so much. Right. So, <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you always, you always hear grandma saying, Oh yeah, he shot up eight inches this year or whatever. And you're like, Oh yeah, sure. Grandma. <laughs> so, <laughs> but it certainly seems like that for, I've got three kids of my own. So they, uh, they it grow does like seem that way, doesn't times. it? Yeah. <laughs> so you guys have, um, well, you have a couple different products, but let's talk about, I guess for right now, let's talk about probably your two biggest ones, which would be ultralight and tour series. Uh, what metrics do you right. use to fit a junior golfer into those two products? Yeah, so uh, we actually have uh, three major products. We have uh, Yard Club, which is for beginners. We have Ultralight, which is kind of for uh, beginner to intermediate. And then we have Tour Series, which is kind of intermediate to advanced. So uh, the way that we do fittings here is kind of a two-pronged system. Step one is to get the player's height. Um, again, kids we know from the CDC uh, growth charts, kids grow about two to three inches per year. Uh, that's boys and girls alike. And then once boys get to about 13, uh, they start overtaking the girls. The girls kind of start to flatline at about 13, 14 years old, and the boys continue to go up until they're 18 or 19, maybe even 20 sometimes. But uh, that's kind of where the boys overtake the girls. So um, that being said, that's why all our clubs are made in three-inch height increments. So first step is to get your height. And then once we have your height, then we determine what your ability is. So if you've never played golf before, brand new to the game, we would start you in what we call our yard club, which is a large, oversized aluminum head, lightweight graphite shaft as a training grip. So it puts your hands in the proper position. It's just a real easy to hit club, really flexible, uh, easy to make contact with and get the ball up in the air and create some um, create some good feedback and some good feelings and good vibes right out of the gate. Um once you have that uh, down pat and you're looking for your first real set of golf clubs, then we have ultralight. So these are lighter heads, uh, more flexible shafts, a um, little bit easier to hit, higher launching, more spin, um, more flexible. Uh, and then as the kid progresses and goes through that set, then we move them into our tour series line, which is a little bit heavier than ultralight, a little bit stiffer shaft, a little bit lower lofts. Um, these are basically adult clubs for junior golfers. So you stainless steel irons and carbon milled, uh, carbon steel milled wedges, uh, titanium driver heads, graphite shafts, so forth and so on. So that's kind of our approach one height and then two ability. I see. All right. Yeah. Cause yeah, that's always been a question and, uh, it's something, you know, I would say 10 years ago, I didn't know the difference between the two, uh, as far as how to recommend one set to the other. And I certainly saw probably more often that junior golfers were jumping to the tour series probably too quickly just because their buddies were already playing them. Yeah, exactly. They look more like adult clubs. So I think it kind of has more of a coolness factor, for lack of a better term. Right. And from, I guess, you know, again, for the parents, when do we know a child is ready for the next set, whether it's height or maybe it is tour series? Like, what would you recommend a parent do? Yeah, so the the easiest and best, or not the easiest, but the certainly the best way would be to have access to a reliable launch monitor. That would be the best way you could ever get fit. But 
I understand that, you know, most people don't have access to these machines because they're $15,000, $25,000 and they're difficult to find. Um, and the, even the ones you can find half the time are inside a, a warehouse or a pro shop of some sort where you don't really get the best data. So um, that would be the best way if you can get your kid on a TrackMan or a, a Foresight GC Quad and have them hit a bunch of different balls with, you know, different ultralight and tour series and even competitor product and just see how our um, product stacks up, you know, side by side uh, by one another, then you can get a good feel. And what data should they be looking for if they do have access to a launch monitor? Yeah, so um, there's basically not everybody is privy to the information here that I am, but um, having gone out and grabbed all this TrackMan data over the years, um, I have a data set that allows me to know exactly, like if you swing 70 miles per hour, your launch angle needs to be between 18 to 22 degrees and your spin rate needs to be around 3000 RPMs of spin, for instance. So, and then based on the faster you get, the lower those numbers come down. So if you're Dustin Johnson swinging at 130, you may need to, to maximize your distance. You may need to be at eight or nine degrees of launch and 1800 to 2000 RPMs of spin. So for parents not privy to that information, it's a bit difficult, but um, I think any good instructor or PGA professional probably has a pretty good idea of those ballpark type numbers. And they're gonna be able to look at your kid's data, um, see which one's going further um, see which one they're going to hit better. Um, I mean, if you get the right parameters dialed in, you know, ball speed, launch angle and spin rate, then the, then the ball is going to go as far as it possibly can for that particular child. So, um, really the distance will tell the story. Um, in that case, if you don't have access to a launch monitor, I think the next best step is just get out on the range with your kid. Um, have them hit the different clubs side by side, again, being ultralight or tour series or competitor clubs and kind of just look at the trajectory. And I think it'll be pretty obvious to you which one, you know, is getting in that right trajectory window. You'll be able to see if, you know, one particular club is ballooning or kind of, you remember back in the old days when we used to play the balada balls and they would kind of go out and just climb, climb, climb. And that'll still, that's more rare these days with our, um, with the solid construction golf balls, but you'll still be able to see if a ball's ballooning or launching a little bit too high or launching a little bit too low. Um, everybody kind of knows that shot range window that looks good to the eye. So you'll be able to tell one by that, I think. Uh, two, you'll be able to, you know, compare relative distance. Even though you don't have a launch monitor, you'll be able to see relatively which one's going the furthest. Um, so that's a good indicator. Uh, and then the last thing is just, you know, check your spin around the green, go, go to a practice green or go to a, a hole and drop, you know, it, go out on the golf course away from the pro, by the way, you don't want to do this right by the clubhouse. <laughs> go somewhere where the pro can't see and drop just, you know, 20, 25 balls and just hit them into the green and see which one's giving you the right spin characteristics to get the ball to stop on the green. Cause mm. you know, these kids do with their swing speeds being slower, obviously the apex of height isn't as high as say an adult. So uh, they're coming in a little bit more shallow. So you want to make sure you have that right spin combination. And, you know, for instance, our graphite shafts are going to spin a little bit more than our steel shafts. Obviously uh, our ultra light shafts are going to spin a little bit more than the tour series graphite. So you just want to go out there and kind of hit a few balls with each different one, see how they're coming into the green, see and how they're stopping and, and kind of make a decision on that basis. You know, it's interesting you bring that up. And uh, I was just thinking about this as far as the golf ball goes, because I know that U.S. kids, you guys also produce golf balls for junior golfers. Correct. 
what's different in those golf balls that maybe you would say you would see differently compared to what everybody loves, which is the Titleist Pro V1? Uh, well, the main difference is just a compression story, really. Um, so the softer the compression of a golf ball, the higher it's going to launch and the less it's going to spin. Uh, the firmer the compression of a golf ball, the lower it's going to launch and the more it's going to spin. So uh, a Titleist Pro V1, for instance, is much uh, firmer than our golf ball is. So it's, gonna, it's going to launch lower. It's going to spin more. So uh, it's going to be faster ball velocity as well. But... The reason for that is just because it's harder. Mm -hmm. So it's a firmer surface to hit upon. So it's typically going to launch too low with too much spin for kids. So uh, the main issue is really going to be the low launch, though. I see. Um, until our data set kind of has shown and proven over the years that until you get over about 70 miles an hour or so, somewhere in that ballpark, that launch angle is the number one determining factor of distance. Mm. So the higher you launch it, the further the ball will go. Once you get over that kind of threshold around 70, 75 miles an hour, then ball speed starts to take over. So the harder you can hit it and the faster the ball is going, then it kind of determines your uh, maximum distance. So um, <clears throat> our golf ball being a softer compression is going to launch higher than a Pro V1. So for those slower swing speed players, the ball is going to get up in the air easier, and that generally for them means more distance. Mm, I think that's huge. Okay. Yeah, that's a good explanation there. I think that makes sense. And I think for parents listening as well, I think that'll give them a good understanding as well. And probably just allowing the junior golfer to try out some different golf balls, you might be able to give them the confidence to then, you know, if they're so set in stone about a Pro V1, but they start seeing that actually the other ball's flying a little bit further, that might get them excited to actually consider switching golf balls, wouldn't it? Yeah, definitely. And I, I mean, our golf ball is engineered for swing speeds under 90 miles an hour. Like I said, that launch angle determines your max distance up to 70, but our golf ball is actually engineered and designed for swing speeds up to about 90 miles an hour. And one of the big things that I always like to tell parents when their their kid is playing a Pro V1 or whatever it may be, is that, <clears throat> yes, our ball is going to spin less when you get around the green, right? It's got a Serlin cover, whereas a Pro V1 has a urethane cover. Um, and it's going to spin less off of your irons, but you're going to hit our ball 10 to 15 yards further in many instances than you're hitting the Pro V1. And what parents don't realize is that's a club to two clubs less, you know, into the green than they're hitting. So when you're hitting a Pro V1 off the tee, you may have a seven iron into the green. Well, you hit our U.S. kids ball and you don't think it spins enough, but now you're hitting a nine iron into the green as opposed to seven iron, and a nine iron is going to spin way more than a seven iron. So you've immediately made up that differential in spin just because you're hitting the ball so much further. Yeah, that makes sense. And then when you get a, yeah, and then when you get around the green chipping, what most parents don't realize, I was a former golf ball engineer at, um, at Bridgestone Golf, and we did this huge wedge test, and it came down to spin generation around the green is about 90, 95% contact generated. So if you nip a ball, be it Serlin or urethane, the ball is going to check up and do what it's supposed to do. If you hit the ball bad, then it's not going to matter if you have a Pro V1 or not, because regardless of if it's a urethane covered Pro V1 or Serlin colored US kids ball, if you don't make clean, consistent contact, then the ball is just not going to stop. So if you nip our ball, it's going to stop. Yes, it's probably going to roll out another five or six inches in a Pro V1 around the green on a properly executed chip shot. But again, our main difference is you're going to get that maximum distance off the tee. allows you to hit a shorter club into the green. Hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. That's a great explanation there. Learned some good <clears> things there. Uh, I want to get back to the golf clubs. I've got a couple other questions for you that I'm curious about. 
So okay. as, as far as the components go, obviously, let's just say you go from a 39 inch ultralight to let's just go up to a 60 inch ultralight. The shaft's going to change the shaft length. I'm sorry. And I'm sure there's some other components within the shaft that does change. What does it, what if anything changes in the club head itself? Nothing really. Uh, to be quite honest, we use the same materials for shafts, grips, and heads in all of our clubs. Um, it's the same components or the same material makeups. Uh, the heads do get progressively larger. Okay. Um, so, uh, you know, a 39 inch is a much smaller head than a, um, than a 63 inch might be, for instance, like a 39 inch. Uh, our 39 inch club head size is you know, about 250 cc's where our 60 inches up to 400 cc's. So the heads get progressively larger. Um, but materials, quite honestly, they're the same. I got it. And then I had a question from a, a good friend of mine, Dave Malone, he's a golf coach. And, uh, you know, his question was, was, so junior golf heads are obviously smaller than adult heads. And for beginners, would it make more sense to have larger sized heads on the ultralights or on the tour series clubs or you know how yeah. does that all how does that come all about yeah so the the reason we agree fully with you there in an ideal world every head would be 460 cc's you know mm-hmm. the, all the driver heads would be 460 cc's because they're larger they're going to be more forgiving and easier to hit the problem is just a weight story um so a 39 inch kid which is you know a four or five year old um, and you put them in a 460 cc driver, well, now the, the head is going to weigh 190, 180 grams. So you're getting, you're just getting too heavy. Uh, so it's kind of form over function. We chose to go down the path of making the club lighter. That way the kid can swing it faster. Um, he doesn't necessarily know what 460 cc's looks like you know i mean growing up playing golf i don't know how old you are but i'm 40 you know i grew up playing the callaway big bertha and then there was the greatest big bertha and then there was the biggest big bertha and i still remember just be like oh man i can't even hit that thing it's atrocious you know and now i look at it and it looks like a three wood so it's crazy how far golf has come along but i don't think kids really um are scared necessarily of a little bit smaller club head and we chose to attack the market by going lighter uh, again, because lighter is faster and we know that a four or five year old kid is going to have trouble developing swing, swing speed because he just doesn't have any muscles yet. So we decided to make it lighter and we thought that was going to be the easiest way for the kid to hit it and get success in golf. So that's a good explanation. Yeah. That makes sense to me now. Yeah. We would like 460 heads, but they just, it's just a weight story. They become too heavy. Right. And I mean, I love the, um, I love the yard club. My son, he's on his third one already. My oldest son, sorry. But uh, I can understand as well that you could make the bigger head with a different material, but it's probably then not going to perform the same way that the performance of those clubs are going to, that the club heads and the ultralight and the touristy is going to perform, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, it can be done. Certainly, you could make a 460cc carbon fiber head that would probably uh, achieve the weight that we wanted to. But, you know, then you've got a $1,000 set for a four or five year old kid. So, it's a little bit price uh, driven. It's a little bit size driven. It's a little bit weight driven. So um, there are certainly materials out there that can that it can be done with, but yeah, it become cost prohibitive at that point. You know, I learned with U.S. Kids Golf Clubs that the frequency 
maintains the same throughout the different clubs. What exactly is frequency? What does that mean and how does that play a role in the importance of golf clubs? Uh, so I'm certainly no shaft expert, but um, frequency is basically just a measure of the stiffness of a shaft. So on the low end, it would be you know 200, and it's measured in what's called cycles per minute. Uh, you put this shaft, or excuse me, you put the club, the golf club, into a specialized frequency measuring device and machine. Uh, you clamp it down on the grip end, and you face the club head straight up to the air, and you make the club oscillate, and then it it basically measures how many times it oscillates per minute. So that's measured in cycles per minute, and that's deemed the frequency of a golf club. So again, on the low end, you would be around 200 CPMs, which would be a super lightweight, flexible shaft. And then on the high end, you can get up to, you know, 3, 350, sometimes even for the long drive guys, which is a really, really stiff piece of rebar. So uh, what we do is we we have the same frequency um, throughout the entire club line. So ultralight uh, has the entire, the same frequency for all the drivers. All the drivers have the same frequency in ultralight and all the drivers in tour series have the same frequency. But what uh, that allows us to do is as a club gets progressively longer, which it does 30, you know, 42 is longer than 39 and 45 is longer than 42 and so forth all the way up. So we have nine sizes from 39 up to 63 as you keep the same frequency, but the shaft gets longer, then it effectively becomes more stiff. So our club shafts get progressively stiffer as the child grows. Uh, and that's done simply for the reason that we assume that as a child's growing, he's getting more strength, he's getting faster, uh, he's becoming more athletic or flexible or whatever it may be. So our shafts are getting progressively stiffer as that child moves through our product line. And then the same thing with tour series, we have six sizes, 51 up to 66. They all have the same stock frequency, but 54 is going to play stiffer than 51 simply because it's two inches longer. And 57 is going to play uh, stiffer than 54 because it's two inches longer and so forth and so on. So that's kind of the way we attack shaft frequency. And then Obviously, shaft frequency will change within a set. You know, the driver won't be the same shaft frequency as an eight iron, which won't be the same shaft frequency as a wedge or whatever it may be. And is that basically so as the junior golfer does grow into new longer clubs, they're essentially not going to feel a a difference in, in how the club performs as they're swinging it? Is that kind of how it all matches up if they were to go from like one to the next? Well, they should feel it get slightly stiffer, maybe right when they make the first transition, but it's going to be very minimal. Uh, and again, we think that it's going to be very minimal because we're assuming that the kid is getting taller and stronger. Um, so, uh, yes, it's going to become slightly stiffer, but we don't think the the offset is going to be that great because for those reasons, because he's getting taller and stronger and um he needs it, quite honestly, because if you have a shaft that's too flexible as you continue to grow or if our, or, you know, if our clubs didn't progressively get stiffer, then as the kid got older and he got up to the, the larger sizes, then again, the ball would start to balloon, start to launch way too high. You'd get mass dispersion. Um, you know, you wouldn't be able to keep it in play. Uh, it'd spin too much, so forth and so on. All the things that a, a shaft that's too flexible can have a negative impact on your game. Good to know. Now, last bit here is speed. 
everybody's chasing speed, but how would you <laughs> recommend, you know, a junior golfer trains for speed or I guess practices speed in a safe developmental way? So I've got to be honest here. Um, we, we haven't gone down the road of uh, swing speed development too much in the weighted area or arena of the field. So we have swing speed trainers, but they're light. They're actually lighter than golf clubs. Uh, it's just basically one of our shafts, uh, ultralight shafts with a, a golf ball on the end of it. Um, so it's actually lighter than a golf club. You can swing it fast. It's lighter again. So we're always just trying to develop speed that way. Um, the weighted stuff, I know that some companies are out there doing it. Speed Sticks has some clubs for junior golfers. Uh, there's a guy I know named Bill. Sorry, I'm probably going to butcher his last name, Oros, or he's got a unique device that kind of goes onto the shaft, and he's got a junior version. Um, and I've I've read story after story where some people say, yeah, you should be swing speed training your kid, and then I've read a number of other stories that say kids' muscles are developing, their bones and joints are growing. You shouldn't be swing speed training much in the same way that. Um, you know, trainers or doctors will tell your kids not to use weights mm. until they're 13 or 14 years old, you know, just do uh, body weight exercises and don't actually start using free weights or whatever it may be. So I don't really have a good answer for you, I guess, is the long, the long of it. Um, I don't know if it's right to say that it is good to, to begin swing speed <laughs> training or, or if it isn't. Uh, we certainly do not promote a heavier uh, more muscle trained approach here because again, our whole motto and theme and what this company is kind of based around is lighter is faster. And we want you to swing it as fast as you can. And, uh, right. if you make it heavy, you're going to swing it slower. Um, and you could develop muscle or you could hurt yourself. We're just, we're kind of unsure in that, in that field. I would lean on like a Greg Rose or, or someone with a bit more knowledge to, uh, more accurately and, effectively answer that question right yeah and for those listeners greg rose he's um one of the founders of the titles performance institute and um i think he's he's been in the i guess what does it be the personal training or he's been he's he's always he's dr greg rose isn't he so yes he's been yes. researching this stuff for a long time and this has been in his profession i believe for 20 30 years so he's he has a world of knowledge and he's got a lot of stuff and uh, a lot of good resources out on the internet as well I think the thing I took away from you there was, you know, for all of us listening, parents, coaches, I think we just need to do our homework and then make the best judgment call from there. That's what I got. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yep. Yeah. A hundred percent. I'm not going to steer you one way or the other. <laughs> you know, it's kind of like uh, letting your kids play tackle football. You know, some parents are, <laughs> <laughs> some parents are all about it. And uh, some parents are like, no way is my kid ever playing tackle football. So uh, <laughs> uh, it's up to you to do the research and decide how you want to, how you want to take uh, your child's future into your own hands. I think it's good advice. Yeah. So yeah. Joshua, you've been, uh, you've been a great resource for information. I've learned a lot about the U.S. kids golf products and clubs, and it's certainly going to help me as a golf coach. And it's going to help me as a parent. And I think parents listening as well, who are interested in finding the right type of club makeup for their children. I think they're going to take away some good, important information from this episode. If listeners wanted to, find out more about you and also about us kids golf products, what would be the best place for them to find out more about you? 
Yeah, so we've got, uh, you know, all the typical social channels. Sorry, just pulling it up here. Uh, Facebook, we're at US Kids Golf. Uh, Twitter, we're at US Kids Golf. And my personal Twitter account is at Kinchen Golf, K I N C H E N Golf. Uh, on Instagram, we're at u.s.kidsgolf. And then, of course, we got a website, uh, www.uskidsgolf.com, with all kinds of resources and information about us and who we are and what we stand for and what we build and how we think we're uh, different and better than the competition. Cool. Yeah, that's great. Now, before you go, what would be your final words of inspiration for raising golfers? Yeah, so um, I really... When I came over here again, I was uh, I started as a golf pro and then worked for Bridgestone Golf for eight or ten years and got to work with uh, the PGA professionals. Um, had a great time there, loved the job. But since coming here, the kind of thing that I really has inspired me um, is just the impact that we have on children's lives. So uh, being able to go to these golf courses and and see, so we actively encourage parents to go out and caddy for their kids. Um, we actively encourage, you know, family activities and being around your son or daughter and living the experience through them. And it kind of all ties back to our mission statement here, which is to, to help kids have fun learning the lifelong game of golf and encourage family interactions that build lasting memories. So I really, uh, think that that is the essence of who we are. We love the family interaction and, and coming all together in this great game that we all love. So. Perfect. Yeah, I love that. Well, Joshua, thank you so much again for coming on. It was a lot of fun and uh, really enjoyed it. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. I appreciate the opportunity. All right, that was a great episode. I certainly learned a lot about junior golf equipment and it's going to be something that I preach to my students and their families for a long time. For you, I think the questions you've got to ask yourself if you're a parent or coach listening is, is your junior golfer's equipment currently fit well for them? Or is it that you've got something a little bit too long, a little bit too heavy because you're out there chasing for speed to trying to keep up with the other player's distance on the golf course? I think the key here is that we've got to look for long-term development in our junior golfers and understand that lighter is faster. And I think with just some of the examples that Joshua gave in this episode, we're going to understand why that's so important and crucial for the development and longevity in the game. I love that idea that U.S. kids, they made this really long and heavy club for adults to try so they can feel what a junior would feel with the wrong equipment. And I personally would like to try that. I kind of have an idea of exactly how it's going to feel, but that just kind of resonated with me. And when I see those other junior golfers out there with those clubs that do go up to their chin, a little bit too long, a little bit too heavy, and definitely not going to help with their um, I think their long-term development. So I'm going to leave you with what they say at U.S. Kids Golf. And that is to remember, if it doesn't fit, they just may quit. Thank you so much, guys.